Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name's Karina, and in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about hydration and just how important it is for our health. Before we get started though, I just wanted to say that um, we're deep into season two of the Dr. Karina Smith podcast now, and it's so much fun. <laughs> I have such a blast reaching out to people and asking them if they wanna come on the show and coming up with little topics that I do on my own. It's fantastic. I do, I do wanna ask something of you though. Great listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If you have enjoyed a podcast episode or if you've gotten a, a great nugget that's really helped you with something, it would be so, so helpful for us on this end of the podcast making if you would consider going onto iTunes or the other places where you listen to this show and giving us a rating or even better yet, writing us a review would be so helpful. Now, back to today's topic. On one hand, it sounds like a bit of a boring topic, Hydration, yeah, I drink a litre, two litres, three litres of water a day. I'm hydrated. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. I had my mind blown last year, so I'm currently filming this in April of 2023. Last year in 2022, my teacher Anne Cecil Sturman came to Melbourne and did two days discussing the divergent channels from the complement channels of classical acupuncture. And one of her big, big topics, uh, one of the big pieces of advice that she would give to all the people that came for a session was about hydration and not about how much water they drink, but about how many wet foods they're eating, how many wet meals they consume and um, eliminating a lot of the other lifestyle habits and uh, foods from the diet that are very dehydrating. So we're gonna talk about that today. But I'd never thought about it in that way before. I'd never thought about why hydration is so important for the body and why the body needs to be adequately hydrated in order to deal with pathogens that enter into the body and wreak havoc. And Anne puts it beautifully, I'm not an authority to speak on the classical acupuncture that she is um, helping to bring back to the world but I am somebody who's really, really interested in what I'm learning. And I think it's really interesting for me to share it with you as well, because I'm very interested in people's health. And uh, I guess one of the things that was talked about a lot is that at any given time, your body is dealing with problems. Those problems might be an older belief system. Those problems might be cold. <laughs> Those problems might be an illness. And your body is trying to find the place where it can put that issue out of harm's way, particularly out of the way of your organs, so that it's not problematic and you can keep on living. And one of the big resources that your body uses when it's doing that, depending on which you know, complement channel might be doing that, is um, the fluids of your body. And we know that we're mostly made up of water. We've heard that time and time again. But there are also just different layers of fluid to the body as well. And when they run dry or when one particular layer of fluid runs dry, the body then is forced to go into the next layer and then go into the next layer. 
and then go into the next layer. And then if there are still no, and if we run out of places to quote unquote park a problem, that's when things like um, joints become degenerated or severe illness starts to take hold in the body. And uh, one of Anne's, Anne's quite well known for chronic degenerative disease as, um, as, a, as, a, as a, I guess, a specialty of, of health that she takes care of with people, among other things. And so I really respect what she has to say because she's treated, I don't know, she would have treated thousands of people, thousands of people. And time and time again, she gives the same advice, homework, really. Make sure that you stop eating particular foods and start introducing particular foods into the diet. And we will talk about that a little bit as we go. There might be a bit of heavy breathing in this episode. <laughs> it's not me. I'm sharing the room with my beautiful dog who's getting very relaxed next to me. So any big size, it's Larry. <laughs> Some of you have met Larry. All right, so the first thing I think we should talk about, and by we I mean me, <laughs> is coffee. Oh, don't take my coffee away, Karina. That's it, I'm not listening anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna share my story with you because I recently gave up coffee 10 weeks ago, 10 weeks ago, nine and a half, 10 weeks ago. And I never thought that I could I wanted to on a certain level because I knew I had a problem with it, uh, but I never thought that I would be able to because I was so addicted to it. I live in Melbourne. Those of you that, list, that are listening that live in Melbourne know that we have a, a big coffee culture in this town. I think I would be addicted to coffee anyway, even if I didn't live in Melbourne, but it's so ingrained in the fabric of our socialization. Catch up for people, catch up with people to have a coffee. You might go for coffee if you're uh, on a date. It gets you pumped. And one of the first things that Anne talks about is just how dehydrating coffee is, especially if you drink it on an empty stomach. And I know a lot of people do intermittent fasting and all they'll drink in the morning is black coffee so that they don't spike their blood sugar and then they won't eat anything for a few hours later. And I, I have to say, I'm really reconsidering whether that's a smart idea. Coffee. <laughs> I've been drinking one to two, sometimes three, very strong coffees a day for well over a decade. Having a strong coffee first thing in the morning has been my thing for ages. And it's not a, it's not a store-bought coffee. I get one of those silver, beautiful Italian stovetop percolators. So it's a strong coffee. And I will have that, not anymore, but I would have that in the morning. And then I would read my prayers and I would meditate. Well, pre-doggo, I would meditate. Post-doggo, we would go for a, a pumped-up sunrise walk, which we still do. And I love the feeling that coffee would give me, that feeling of, yes, I'm going to grab the day and shake it, and it's all amazing, I'm so excited, put on some music, let's dance. That feeling is very addictive. Uh, and it feels like it gives you this indescribable joy that you don't want to have taken away from you. 
it feels like a good friend. It feels like something reliable. It's got a beautiful ritual around it. And people don't like starting their day without it. I wouldn't. If I had to go and stay at a friend's house or if I went camping, that I had to make sure that there would be good coffee to have camping or I would panic. I would panic at the thought of not having my boost in the morning and having to experience the feeling of being tired, which tells you that there's a problem underneath, right? If I, if I am avoiding my own fatigue by drinking strong cups of coffee all day, sooner or later I'm gonna run out of steam. And I am somebody who has burnt out a few times. So yeah, it was inevitable that I had to deal with this. I have so much respect for Anne. So listening to her talk about coffee to the patients that came to that seminar, I thought, oh, okay, I suppose I'm gonna have to contemplate this. Mm -hmm. And some of you know that at the start of this year, I signed up to do a six month mentorship with her and her husband, Andrew, which is, has just been amazing. For, I'm, I'm lost for words to describe just how incredible the journey it has been so far. And so I thought, okay, if, I, if ever I was going to do this, if I was gonna kick coffee, this is the time. Do it while you're doing the mentorship with Anne know that you will be really supported by her and by everybody else that's doing the mentorship and lean into that support and break this habit. You know you want to, it doesn't make you feel good. That's the other thing I should mention. I'd have a strong coffee in the morning. Yeah, woohoo, amazing. Go for a walk, read the prayers, do the meditation. Then I would come back and not long after that I would eat breakfast and then I would have a bit of a slump so I'd have a second one. And every morning I'd have a little conflict and go, oh, you didn't feel too good yesterday when you had a second coffee. Like, yeah, but I really want one. So I would have the second coffee and then I would have a headache. I would feel foggy. It would upset my gut. And I would do that every single day. And I think, I think that's when you know you are addicted to something because the, the, the drive to have it controls you even though it doesn't make you feel good. The part, the part that you remember is the part where you get pumped up, not the part where you feel sick. <laughs> and the part that, you get, that pumps you up is the part that drives you to do it again tomorrow. So I bit the bullet and I thought, all right, that's it. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna stop drinking coffee. I'm gonna start um, taking better care of my hydration because the coffee would just pull fluid out. Anybody that drinks strong coffee will know that. Your urine output just goes up. I don't know if you heard that, that was Larry. <laughs> the other thing I noticed, I just wanna mention as well, the other thing I noticed is that if I ever had three coffees a day, which is a lot, the next day I would notice a white spot on a fingernail which my current understanding is that white spots on fingernails are a zinc deficiency or a mineral deficiency. I think it's zinc. And I, I remember hearing um, Fee on the Heavenly Chi podcast years ago say, oh, well, coffee hijacks all of your minerals. And I didn't know what that meant. That was Larry. He knows what she meant. 
and now I understand that because I, it, it was an immediate connection that the coffee, the, the coffee went up, white spots on the nails. And so the fluid is pulling out the minerality because um, minerals and salts, they follow water, uh, which is why you can't drink seawater because there's too much salt in the seawater, it will pull the fluid out of your cells and then you end up dying of dehydration, biology. Um, so wasn't doing me any favors, I was addicted to it. And I had chronic headaches for years and I don't like headaches because I have, I've had a big history of headaches. So here we go, I'm making a commitment. I'm gonna quit coffee, I'm gonna commit to this. Let's see how we go. It was not pleasant. Uh, I, I'm a, I get fatigued pretty easily, but this was extreme fatigue and a, just a total lack of joy for anything. Just flat, unenthused, really difficult to get up in the morning. Uh, quite, a, quite a number of days in the first th yeah, three or four weeks, I would have to go back to bed and nap, but really sleep for hours hours and hours because underneath the adrenaline that I was pulling out of my kidneys with my coffee uh, intake is a very depleted system my system and so I had to face that and it was awful and yeah I just felt like everything was boring and dull and I didn't want to do anything I had no motivation no mojo uh, I did try and replace the coffee with a something, just so I didn't lose that ritual of warm, hot drink in the morning. So I tried um, bone broth, which is delicious, but it isn't coffee. Black tea, I've not quit caffeine, I've just started with coffee, so I thought, well, black tea, sort of a soft step down. <laughs> it's not coffee. Uh, I bought some like mushroom tea elixir, Great idea, very expensive, mm, a bit lackluster. I just wanted something natural that would give me some pep. Um, sacred cacao, there were a few breakfast sacred cacaos, which uh, it, it, in a softer way does get you quite high, but it's like a, a slow gradient up. Then I thought, well, actually, I, I better go and get some blood tests because I am I am exhausted, I am dizzy, I'm not feeling great. Turns out my iron storage was you know, down close to 20, which is very, very low. So I uh, got an iron infusion, which took another two weeks to kick in. And now I feel really good. <laughs> now I feel really good. But I also appreciate that all those years of drinking coffee, multiple coffees a day, has had a big impact on my body and I need to be really careful and mindful about that. You can do it. <laughs> I suppose my, my point is to encourage you that you can do it. Uh, some clients that I've spoken to that have two or three coffees a day, the panic in their eyes at the thought of not having their coffee, it's just too much. Because like me, the coffee is helping them to stay running on the hamster wheel of all the things that life is demanding of them, whether it's you know young kids and a full-time job, uh, a certain amount of productivity you're expected to get through every week, working full-time, travel. It's a demanding life. 
And so we do become very addicted to our stimulants and we run ourselves pretty ragged. And the, the, the diet that we have is often very drying. So this was something else that Anne talked about, having really dry toast for breakfast, um, not including enough saturated fats. And we need saturated fats to help build and make hormones in the body, which is one layer of the fluids. Um, really dry foods like <clears throat> nuts and fruits that are dried, bubbly drinks, anything that's um, carbonated that can be quite dry, that is quite drying, too much onion and garlic and chili. So uh, they, they strictly have no onion and no garlic, which is like the base of every meal <laughs> that, that we would make in Australia. Um, onion and garlic seem to be in everything, but they are incredibly heating and drying. And there's something else in there as well. Oh, alcohol, which we already know. You drink a lot of alcohol and it pulls a lot of fluid out. It's a diuretic. It does not make you feel great the next day if you drink too much alcohol. So all these things, they, they, they can sound quite alarming to somebody who consumes a lot of them because they, they like the taste of it or they're addicted to the, the, the pep that they get from it. Um, but these little changes could make the world of difference to someone's health. And it should be stated as well that Chinese medicine was always historically about prevention of disease. It was about maintaining the body. It was about keeping the energy and the qi flowing so that disease states couldn't take root and they couldn't develop. But that's not the world that we live in now. We push ourselves really hard. We ignore signs and symptoms because we don't want to be slowed down or we don't have time to get sick. And we don't, we don't really want to think about it. We've got too much on our plate. And more often than not, things develop to a place where they become semi-serious or very serious before we actually get them checked out. Luckily, we have surgery and we have more extreme Western medicine interventions for that because Chinese medicine doesn't deal with surgery because it was always intended to get ahead of something before you needed that. And I think about, well, actually, I think about my great gran who is legendary in our family. She, she lived till she was 107. <clears throat> she lived alone until she was 100. And she had these like stock standard ways of living that were amazing. You know, the way that she would make her soups, the way that she cared for her health, she was hardy. And the kinds of advice that the, the wise women of her ilk would give is exactly the kind of health advice that we really need to remember. Things like, you know, having a soup with your nightly meal. That is a wet meal, soup. Anne talks about soup a lot. We don't eat enough soup. Water that's been cooked with food so that the, that the fluid is full of minerality. It's not just plain drinking water. And I bet, I bet your grandmother <laughs> or your great-grandmother had great words of advice around food and the elements and the way to dress and different things to eat in the seasons that you can think about as well. 
that are really important for us to maintain our health. Are you thinking about it now? <laughs> so this is something that I'm really interested in now, both in my own health and in the health of my patients. Because I'm seeing some really clear patterns with things like um, stiff necks and stiff tissues of the upper body and people being very dehydrated and not knowing that they're dehydrated because they tell me that even though they have their two or three coffees a day, they're drinking two to three liters of water, so it's fine. It all sort of evens out, but it doesn't. Some telltale signs are, well, they're in the pulse. So practitioners that are listening, you'll know what a thin um, fluid deficient pulse feels like. For people that are not practitioners that are listening, <coughs> a good, clue as to how dehydrated your body is, is to go into the bathroom. I do this at the stop lights when I'm in my car. I just look in the mirror like a weirdo, but Chinese medicine, we are weirdos. It's great. And look at the front of the tongue from the tip, sort of a third, a third up on the body of the tongue and have a look for how many little fine cracks there are in the tongue, especially if they're running um, horizontally, so side to side. So if you're looking in that region of the tongue, you are looking in the stomach and spleen region of the tongue, which is reflecting the organs in the body. And those little fine cracks, they're kind of like little fine cracks in the earth. And it's showing signs of um, fluid, damage to fluids in the body. You might even wanna go and have a look now. And my takeaway for you from this episode today is to see if it's possible for you to consider making some of these changes in your diet as well. Because a well hydrated body is a really healthy body and you can manage that. That's in your power. It's an empowering thing to nourish your body and make it a, a healthy place and a comfortable place for you to live and for you to not experience unnecessary suffering from a dry, dehydrated state. Thank you for listening today. 